Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. to restore. And so I have just been uh, personally so drawn to who he is as a restorer. And we're going to talk about his nature, his attributes, and also how to partner with God the restorer. Okay? Okay, so I, um, I want, before we start, for you to just get into your mind something that you're waiting for to be restored. Something for which, God, I need this restored. This can look like your health. It can look like finances. It could look like, hey, I need a restored hope. Like, I feel hopeless. I need a restored joy of my salvation. Whatever it is. Hey, can you restore, God, that first love, how I felt for you when I, when I met you for the first time. So I want you to listen with that in mind. Like, I, I believe there's an invitation, if we partner with, that he's, he wants to restore all. So I don't want to go through the sermon and just preach a sermon and us to say, oh, that was nice. I'd rather us say, hey, God, I need this restored. Give me tools. Give me keys. And speak to me and reveal yourself to me as God the restorer. Okay? Okay, um, so I received a prophetic word when I was in Reading two weeks ago, and you guys, um, we are just very loved by Bethel Reading, and it feels, it was, a, it was a real gift, it was a leaders summit with all the six uh, Bethel churches and Bethel Reading, so there's seven of us in total, and Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton and Danny Silk drove up, and Banning drove up from Jesus Culture. Um, we had the, uh, Steve Backlund. We were sitting in living rooms just talking with these guys and having meals. And I felt like they were just pouring into us as a house. So it's just, you know, want y'all to feel that connection. And um, at some point, I was talking to Chris, and he said, hey, you need to get prayed for by Ruth Moore. And... Uh, and so I, uh, I was in a meeting with their senior leadership team, and Ruth has this powerful testimony. And she, uh, so I, I looked it up last night just to hear the longer version. I heard the one-minute version. And she had a disease, she got a disease as a 15-year-old called ME, which is a neurological chronic disease. Um, and she found herself in a wheelchair as a 15-year-old athletic girl, you know. And um, she, she spent five and a half years in this wheelchair, just con- like didn't even know God wanted to heal at first, like just had no idea. And then, and then went on a journey with the Lord of contending for healing and then realizing, oh, he's just a good father. He just wants to heal me. Um, and so she went to this conference as a 21-year-old, 20-year-old, and it was in Bath, England, which holds a place in my heart because... That's where dad's mom is from, my grandma. And, um, and she goes to this conference having never heard of a lady named Heidi Baker. 
And <laughs> her friends are like, hey, you need her to pray for you. I'm pretty sure she had this disease for 10 years. So she goes to this conference, having never heard of her, but then she starts hearing her story. And, um, and Heidi comes over to her and just hugs her in her wheelchair. And Heidi said, hey, you need some running shoes. You're going to be out of this wheelchair, sharing the gospel, healing the sick, <laughs> seeing people recover. And she gets out of her wheelchair that night, <laughs> never to return. She's driving home, screaming in her car, driving back to college. She was in college as the disabled girl that everyone helped. Her parents drove to her school every weekend to make sure she had food and, like, her groceries stocked. And, and everyone helped her every step of the way. <laughs> so I just felt the kindness of the Lord that Chris is like, hey, go get her to pray for you. Um, and... And, and so she prayed this prayer over me, and she said, uh, she said, this is the year he restores. 2024 is the year he restores. Do it again, God. He restores health. He restores your family. He restores your relationships, and he restores the joy of your salvation. And I just left, and I said, okay. My breakthrough is yours. <laughs> Your breakthrough is mine. My breakthrough is Vanessa's. Vanessa's is Blake's. Vanessa's is ours. We all are walking in each other's breakthrough. It's the way of the kingdom. So I'm hearing this testimony by Ruth, and I'm like, I want that for myself. And she releases a word of restoration. And so I can't get the word out of my mind. We're going to talk about restoration. And he's the God who restores. And our call is to restore cities. Restored people restore cities. Restored people know what it's like to know the God, the restorer. So when they go to their city, they restore where they go. They've already experienced the testimony of restoration in their personal life. And so it's just natural that where my feet go, restoration happens. And so this is what this is what matters. Like, we're not, we're not going and working and toiling. We're going and showing up like a restored person. Like, God, you've already done something in my life, and you've restored this. You've restored my hope. You've restored my family. So why wouldn't you do it for the, the mom in the park that I'm talking to? Why wouldn't you do it for my coworker that has a kid that's really going through it, it starts to overflow out of the abundance of the testimony of our life. So, he's restoring all. It's his nature. It's in his nature. It's who he is. God the Restorer, El Ashib. <laughs> I'm sure y'all could correct me on that. Um, so, I've been studying just elements of what he's like as a restorer. And so I'm going to just share some verses. And I want us to strengthen you. And I need you to grab hold and be like, okay, that's who he is. That's his nature. He doesn't lie. He can do that for someone else. He can do it for me. So in Joel 2.25, there's restoration of lost years. I will restore to you what the locust has eaten. How many of us 
want those years back. There's elements of like, hey, I lost something there. <laughs> I lost time. I lost, um, I lost part of what, like there's something that was stolen from me and I want it back. And he's ready to give it back. <laughs> Give it back. There's restoration of health. Jeremiah 30, 17. For I will restore health to you. Your wounds I will heal. Hey, it is not okay that we're not walking in divine health. He has called us. That is our portion. It's his promise. It's what he paid for. It's what he died on a cross for. We get to go after it. So it's who he is. He restores our health. And you know, there's just too many that aren't healthy. <laughs> it's not okay. Okay, he restores our joy. Joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. It's a third of the kingdom. <laughs> we need it. Psalm 51:12. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Man, it's ours. Can we be the most joyful of our friends? You know, when you encounter a joyful person, I feel like I'm encountering a, uh, an attribute of the Father. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm missing something here. When I encounter you and you're bubbling with joy, I'm like, oh, there's something in you that's just, that's just sharing who the Father is. There's a restoration of blessing, Isaiah 61. This is a verse of our house. It's a chapter that we have anchored ourselves in. Verse 7, instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Before, therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion, and they shall have everlasting joy. Okay, there's a restoration of prosperity. It's in Jeremiah 33, 6. Okay, Vanessa, let's do it again, God. <laughs> Behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. He's promising it's his nature. Grab on it. Grab hold of it. Okay, there's a restoration through repentance. This matters. <laughs> Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Okay, we have an invitation. We need our land healed. We need things to shift in our land. We need things to shift in our schools. I need, thing, I need to see shifts. And there's a promise related to if we confess our sin, he's going to heal this land. And I believe, you know, I heard uh, on Instagram, Chris had a little, Chris Valentin had a snippet of a sermon. And he was talking about, there's been a, a pretty drastic shift in January. He said, if you haven't experienced it yet, make sure the Lord's not calling you to repent of something. Make sure you're not missing what he's saying and and I just think this repentance thing is loud there's a there we were fasting together we were feasting on his goodness but we've been, a, been in a season of align me with the ways of the kingdom God and if I'm not in line with the way you think with the ways of the kingdom I'm the one who has to adjust not you 
And so that requires repentance. Change the way I think. Change the way I behave. And he's going to come. He's going to heal our land. It's a promise. So there's a restoration of, of the heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. There's so many cases of just like a broken heart. And, and I think the Lord says, why walk around with that? Like he wants to come and renew that. He wants to restore it. Okay, restoration of foundations. This feels timely for our body as well. Uh, we've been talking, we got a word a year ago now that said, pull things from your other rooms, other rooms being all the buildings we've been in, into this foundation. Pull things from those foundations into this foundation. So we've been in a season of mining the foundation, remembering the testimony, and making sure it's in our foundation. So the restoration of foundations in Isaiah 58, 12 and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. That's our invitation. The repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets. Okay, he's also the restorer of our soul. Psalms 23, ugh. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There's so much power in that. He brings life. He revives our innermost being, our soul. I've just been camping in Psalm 23. It just brings life. It's his promises to us. He restores it. He renews our strength in Isaiah 40, 31. They who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll sh they shall mount up with wings as eagles. There's this season of waiting. Have you heard it in our, some of our transitions from worship? Hey, we're just waiting. I, I even heard it today in worship. Like, there's just this still, like, hey, we don't have to sing. We can just wait. We can wait on him. We can sit in his presence and he's the restorer of our strength. I have been um, walking pretty intentionally in a, on, uh, since Christmas, trying to get a walk in every day. And a lot of the days, I am, I am um, just praying in the spirit. And I literally am I'm picturing this bringing strength to my body. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to find some woods near my house, and I'm walking. And I'm praying out loud in the spirit. And I just, I feel this rising of courage and strength as I strengthen myself in the Lord we will he will renew us on the wings as eagles there's a there's a restoration through confession confess James 5 16 confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed he will restore your health <laughs> hey I'm gonna confess to my, my sin that's not very normal culturally, <laughs> but it's power, it's the truth, it's the word. In Zechariah 9.12, it says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Okay, these prisoners of hope, they're captives, literally. 
but they're not without hope. And I think there's areas in our life that we are in captivity. It's not literal, typically, in our cultural DNA. But where do you feel in bondage? And are we without hope? Because these captives, they still held on to hope. And God restored double. There's an element that we can't lose hope. And that might be what he needs to restore. I feel like he's restoring hope this year. I feel like we might have lost it for a minute. I, you know, you can feel it when it's not there. It's, it's, hope is contagious in the best of ways. <laughs> when I get around hopeful people... My mindset shifts. My beliefs, like, I'm like, oh, that is possible. I didn't think that was possible until you said so. I, that, it, it just rubs off. And I think hopelessness is the same way, <laughs> which is rough. Um, so these captives, they were not without hope. They were hope-filled captives. And they got restored double. So my first prayer might be, God, restore the hope. <laughs> restore the hope so I can be free of my captivity. So I can be free, like, walking in your goodness. <laughs> so as you're just mulling this over, what needs to be restored? Is it hope? Is it dreams? Because <laughs> I want us to be people that dream like we were never disappointed. There's a call on our house to be dreamers. It's actually part of our history, our story, our DNA. It's literally the book Dad picked up in Reading 17 years ago, Dreaming with God. It was not his book. He thought one of his kids left it there. But it said, Steve, may all your dreams come to pass. Signed, Bill Johnson. It wasn't dad's book. That is his name. We are dreamers in this house. But can we dream again? Can we dream like we've not been disappointed? Because, you know, sometimes the younger generation, they're full of dreams because they have yet to be disappointed. But I believe that if we can overcome the disappointment, and dream again. It carries more power. It carries authority. It carries a hope that those captives carried. Hey, those captives, they weren't without hope. And so I've been reading some, just, uh, some scripture and, and seeing a, like, there's just keys in scripture that say, how do you partner with God the restorer. How do you, how do I partner with who he is? It's in his nature, but sometimes it takes a step. And so Job, you know, he, he, he had a hard lot. He, you know, he lost his family, he lost his health, and he had terrible friends that were full of bad advice. You know, that were full of criticism. And at the end of the story, he prays for his friends. These really not helpful people in his life. And 
when he prayed for them, God restored Job's prosperity. And he gave him back twice his possessions. It, it, he prayed, God gave, God restored. It's kind of wild. Okay, another story is that of Joseph. This was my favorite story growing up. Okay, so Joseph was sold into slavery as a 17-year-old by his own brothers. He starts serving in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife accuses him, so he lands in jail. In jail, he starts interpreting dreams because he's a friend of God. And he interprets two pretty significant people's dreams. And he says, hey, don't forget me when you get out of here. And they do. They forget him. Sad. <laughs> and, uh, and the cupbearer um, eventually remembers because the pharaoh has this pretty intense dream about seven healthy cows and seven skinny cows, I think. I'm getting it close. Um, and so the pharaoh is asking, who can interpret this dream? And the cupbearer, whose dream was interpreted in jail a couple years before, is like, oh, yeah, I do know a guy. Okay? So he pulls up Joseph, and Joseph interprets this dream for Pharaoh. And it's, uh, it's so significant because it, it's actually, hey, we need, to, we need to save grains and save food for seven years because we're going to then have a seven years of famine. So Joseph gets put as second in command by Pharaoh because of inter his interpretation of this dream. Joseph just lost 13 years of his life, 17 to 30. He is in jail or in Potiphar's house serving. Okay, there's a, you could have two different approaches to this story. I just lost 17 years and I'm angry. 13 years. I just lost 13 years, and I'm embittered. Joseph's heart was pure. <laughs> it was so pure. Joseph then started serving this Pharaoh and saved a nation with his wisdom and insight from the Lord. He saved a nation because they saved food for a nation for seven years and had food. And then his brothers come, not knowing it's him, because they need food too. And uh, he's just weeping over his brothers, and he forgives them. They stole 13 years of his life. <laughs> and his heart posture is, oh, I forgive you. He said, he said, Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This 13 years in slavery catapulted him into his destiny. He could have never got to Pharaoh's side on his own accord. He could not have worked his way up the ladder to that kind of influence he had 13 years of a lot of challenge, <laughs> of slavery. And he's catapulted into his destiny because his heart was pure. 
because he forgave his brothers. And the Lord restored nations through him, through his forgiveness. If he hadn't forgiven them, I don't think he would have made it to where he was. His forgiveness catapulted him to saving nations. We're talking about restoring cities. He restored a nation. This is our invitation. And I think it's so easy to like step into the, oh, I've lost this time. Oh, why did I go to school for engineering? What a waste. Like, <laughs> I don't really think that, but, um, but like what, what is the Lord's, like he just thinks in a different timetable. He thinks in a different system. And, and my ways are not his ways. And his ways are not mine. And where they're not mine, I get to adjust. Because <laughs> he's not adjusting. <laughs> I don't want him to. <laughs> and so what is God saying? Like, there's probably something in your life that feels like a loss, like a waste, like a robbery. What's his intention for that? Because I know that was not Joseph's plan. But man, look what God did with it. God intended it for good. Um, I think we have to recognize him as a restorer. If we're going to restore, we have to see him like that. And, and so, you know, I, I have a personal story. And uh, I went to the beach in May with the whole fam, all 19 of us. And, uh, and it's like my favorite place. You put me by an ocean, and I'll just sit there for 10 days and a book, and I'm fine. And, uh, and this trip was terrible. <laughs> this is the trip that I, I realized I was sick and my body started failing me and I, I, I couldn't walk to the beach, you know. I, I, Brent's like helping me walk to the beach. It's taking me, you know, I'm dropping cups. I'm like, what is happening? I'm so confused. Why is my body failing me? So this is that trip. And then I come back a day or two later and get diagnosed with MS and I'm like, oh, okay. This, it brought some clarity. So my parents decided, we're going to go back to the beach in the fall, which we never do. And I said, okay, God, I want, I want you to show up as the restorer. Like, I need, I want that trip back. Like, I'm actually not okay with what happened at my favorite place with my favorite people. I need it restored. And I, uh, and so we go in October. And it was the most magical trip you can imagine. I mean, I, it was probably my healthiest week in the last six months. I literally walked three miles a day. I walked more than everyone else. <laughs> They're all perfectly fine. And, and I, I, I'm like, if I can walk, I'm walking. You know, like I was, I was determined to restore what was stolen. I was, I was like, that was injustice, and, and I want it back. And I am pulling on God the restorer in this, in this scene. And I could literally rationalize him out of this picture. I could have said, you know, the circumstances were just different. It was just the timing was better. Or I can see him as the restorer. Same story, different narrative I tell myself. It actually really matters. Like, 
I have to look for him as the restorer and call on him as the restorer, and then I see it. I could do the opposite. Oh, it's another trip to the beach. That's nice. Oh, I feel good this week. What a great coincidence. Ta-da. What a miss. <laughs> like, I'm, and I, I really took a proactive approach. Like, I'm like, he's restoring that trip. <laughs> like, I was telling people. I'm like, he's restoring what was lost. And he totally did. And it's better and bigger than I had a good week at the beach. It's actually, I discovered an element to his nature that I get to hold on to. And I get to bring that to where my feet go. I get to bring that to my city. I get to bring that to the tension that I live in. Like I'm still in that tension in the middle of, hey, divine health is our promise. It is our future. And the reality that I am not there yet. But I get to hold on to, hey, I had a step of breakthrough of God the restorer. And I get to keep taking steps with that testimony in mind. And it's literally a perspective shift. It's same story could be interpreted so blandly, you know. Um, so where in our life are we seeing God the restorer? And where in our life are we calling him to be that for us? Because he wants to. I think he just wants the invitation, <laughs> Um, there's another great story of a Shunammite woman, and uh, she made a room for Elisha, the man of God, in her house, and she didn't want anything in return, and Elisha said, I got to get you something, <laughs> and he gave her a son, and and she was, she's like, my husband's old, and and it was as if she quit asking, it was like, these are the prayers I don't even pray anymore. There's something on this prayers we no longer pray, you guys. Like, I bet she prayed that prayer until her husband became so old that it didn't make sense. And his timing is not our timing. And his timing's perfect. And so, Elisha... Um, this woman has this son, and the son dies. And she's real mad now because I didn't even ask you, and he's dead. She goes, to the, she goes and finds Elisha and won't leave his side. You're coming with me. My son's coming back to life. And so she brings him back. He, I think he sent, sent his um, Gehazi, and, and it didn't, like Gehazi couldn't raise him from the dead. So, so this woman, she's tenacious. You're going with me, Elisha. We're going to raise my son. He, he um, goes into his, she puts the son on the bed that she had given. She made a room for Elisha. She puts the son there on his bed. <laughs> yeah. So he goes. He lays on the boy a couple times. Warmth, heat. He comes back to life. The boy comes back to life, which is so incredible. He restores life. So then Elisha says, there's a famine coming. Leave the, leave the land and, and take care of your family. So she leaves the land. And seven years later, after the famine, she returns. 
So get this timing again. Gehazi, who was Elisha's right-hand guy, is telling the king the stories of Elisha. The king's like, tell me what happened with Elisha. You watched him do all these miracles. And Gehazi is telling the story of the woman's son who is restored to life. The instant the woman comes into the picture, she's like coming into the king's area to say, hey, I have a need. And Gehazi is recounting the testimony of her restoration of her son. It's wild. And she says, and the king's like, is this what happened? Hold it. I'll get this right. Um, so let's see. Gehazi was telling the king how Elisha had brought the dead back to life. Just then, the woman whose son Elisha had revived came to appeal to the king for her house and her land. So Gehazi said, my lord, the king, this is the woman, and this is the son Elisha restored to life. And the king asked the woman, and she confirmed this. The story she was telling herself was a story of testimony. It was a story of promise, like, God, you did this for my son. She could be coming in from famine, telling a story of famine and loss. I got kicked out of my home for seven years. I've lost it all, lost my home. She wasn't telling that story to herself. She told the story of testimony that God restored before. He can do it again. And that instant, the king says, oh, I'm restoring your land to you. I'll restore all that was hers, all the proceeds of the field from the day she left the country until now. Her story is marked with restoration after restoration. And what I see is she is holding these testimonies and, and asking. It's not a passive restoration on her part. She is pulling them in. Hey, King, I need this. Hey, this is the story of restoration in my life. So what stories are we telling ourselves? There's so much power in what's going on between my ears. <laughs> I mean, literally, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I could be living a, a life so different if, I, if my thought life was different. We are, like, what story am I reminding myself of? What story is coming out of my mouth when I'm appealing to the king? What story am I going to Jesus with? Hey, God, you remember how you restored that beach trip? <laughs> hey, I need, I need more restoration. Not, hey, I mean, he can handle our hardship, but I think there's a lot of power in, hey, this, let me remind you. All throughout the Psalms, David is reminding God, like he's always telling him, God, you're my restorer. Please restore me. <laughs> like He's declaring who he is with a plea of, Please restore as well. Everything lost, everything broken, his heart is set on restoration. He's, his life, like he gave his life to restore us to the Father, to reconcile us with the Father. So let's stand.
I want us to, um, I want us to just take that thought that we started the day with, like, what, what needs to be restored, Father? What, what am I, what am I calling forth? And, and I want us to, I want us to pray out loud for a few minutes, and I want us to say, God, I remember when I'm pulling this into now, okay? God, you are, you've done this, you've, You've answered this. You've redeemed this. You've restored this. You've given breakthrough here. And I need it again. He wants us. Like he, I think he loves the co-laboring. He loves, he's the good father, but he also, and he also loves us to just come alongside him. Hey, remember God, you said this. This is my promise. Okay, so we're going to pray. And pray out loud, you guys. Pray out loud. Jesus. I remember your promises. I remember you are the God who restores. You're the God of breakthrough. You're the God to recover all that was lost. You're the God of the promise. God, give us eyes to see. <laughs> Open our eyes. Give us fresh vision. Where we've lost vision, we call it back. Where we've lost the dreams, where we've lost the prayers, we no longer pray, God. Restore all. Restore us to our first love, God. We just declare a restoration of health in our body. We just declare that autoimmune diseases die in the name of Jesus. They have no authority here. They die under the blood of Jesus and the power of the Lamb. You're the bondage breaker, Father. You're the bondage breaker. You desire freedom and breakthrough for all. You desire freedom and breakthrough for all. God the restorer, God the king, <laughs> the God of breakthrough, the God of restoration. He restores prosperity. He restores vision. He restores hope. He restores his goodness. <laughs> he restores health. He restores lost years. He restores joy. He restores blessing. He restores prosperity. He restores your heart. <laughs> He restores your soul. He restores your strength. Yeah, you're good, Father. You're so good. We love you, and we love co-laboring with you, God the Restorer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.